see that worried look upon your face You've got your troubles, I've got mine She's found somebody else to take your place You've got your troubles, I've got mine I too have lost my love today Welcome to the Strange Brew Podcast. Yes, my name is Jason Bernard and got such an incredible honour today. We have Roger Cook, singer, songwriter, producer. I understand he's the man of a thousand hits. We sure had a, we had a bunch, that's for sure. And uh, the the, uh, the show's largely in a chronological order. So we opened with the fortunes in uh, You've Got Your Troubles, Roger. understand that was... Was that the first song that you penned with Roger Greenaway, and that was at the back end of when you were in the Kestrels? Yes, uh, the Kestrels were just about to fold. I think we were in Lincoln. It was one of our last dates, and we we were taking a break between the two sets. 
Roger and I had never written together, but we threatened to, you know, and had my ukulele, and he had his ukulele. And at that point, he said, what do you think of this? And he had this little progression that went from the, uh, the C to the D chord, or the one in the two, as they call it here in Nashville. And he, he went, and I said, I like that. Let's work on that. And about, I don't think more than an hour later, we had it finished. And that was our very, very first song together, yes. There's so many tracks that, that we just don't get a chance to sort of cover on this, but you had a, a, a barrel of hits with the Fortunes over the next 10 years. Yeah, we had a, we had a few more. We had um, one that was huge here in the States called the Here Comes That Rain and Day Feeling. Co-written with Tony McCauley, another very successful songwriter. And uh, then we had a thing I wrote with Albert Hammond called Freedom Comes. Freedom Comes, Freedom Goes. And another one called, uh, what was it, uh, This Golden Ring, I think. Yeah, we had a good run with the boys. In terms of going back to You've Got Your Troubles, you were meaning to record that with Roger, uh, with uh, George Martin? Yeah, she, he, he heard that song early on before the Fortunes got it, actually. He said he called us into his office, and Roger and I went in. You can imagine we were floating on the cloud. And he just said, I really like the song. He said, I love the way you sing it. I'd like to produce the song with you, you know. We said, no way, George. No, I'm just joking. Of course, we, we jumped all over that. The only trouble was, George was producing a little thing at the time called, uh, what was it called now, Rubber Soul. And he had at least a couple of months' work still to do on it. So, meanwhile, the Fortunes got a hold of it somehow or other. They got a hold of it, and they went in and cut it. And as soon as I heard their record, I thought, well, I think we're going to have a hit record as writers anyway. But it would have been very nice for Roger and I to have had a hit with our own song straight off the bat, you know. But there you go. Yeah, you had quite a few hits with David and Jonathan. You recorded uh, Michelle? Well, yeah, George kind of did. It was almost a compensation thing. George said, there's a song on the, the album, Rubber Soul, he said, the boys aren't going to put it out, he said, but I think it's a hit song. He asked if Roger and I could work up a version, which we did. He cut it with us, and of course, we had a big top ten hit with it here in America. So for the first time in my life, I got to come to New York City, 1965, and that was, that was a thrill. I love you, I love you, I love you That's all I want to say Until I find a way I will say the only words I know That you'll understand Michel, my belle Très bien ensemble, très bien ensemble. 
I need to, I need to, I need to I need to make you see What you mean to me Until I do I'm hoping you will know What I mean I love you Not forgetting, um, you know, your one of the, your, the first hits that you had as David and Jonathan, which which you wrote, "Lovers of the World Unite." That was a song that was written specifically for Roger and I to sing, you know. We had the, it was the advent of four track days. You can actually, you could use four tracks. And so we stacked our voices up and we sounded like a choir singing it. But anyway, yeah, that was a good hit for us. It really was. You know, you seem to touch on quite a number of lyrical themes across while, while you've been uh, writing. And, um, that seemed to really sort of hit the zeitgeist of the sort of peace and love. That was kind of a topic at the time. In the 60s, um, love thy brother, you know, we're all in this together kind of thing. Was uh, That was the creed of the day. And yes, we did get involved in writing uh, a couple of kind of peace songs, if you, you can call it that, I guess. Nothing shared Dreams have died And no one cared It seems that just the young know how So I ask them Listen now Lovers Keep the fire of the rebirth bright Lovers of 
Such a pity, such a shame Man has only he to blame Give him beauty, give him life He created a toil and strife And uh, another hit you had, uh, as David and Jonathan is softly whispering, I love you. That's a song, I think, almost topped the charts here in the UK as as David and Jonathan, but seemed to keep coming back in various cover versions over the years. Yeah, different people. Of course, the people who had the hit with it was the Congregation. I think they might have been called the English Congregation. But anyway, it's the Congregation produced by our friend John Burgess. And that was a that was a top five hit over the Christmas of seventy one or seventy two, I think it was seventy one. And uh, Roger and I had a fairly good sized hit with it in America. And then I believe somebody else put it out. I forget who now. Paul Young. I liked his version.
going into 1967, we've got um, Gene Pitney and um, his uh, first hit version of Something's Got a Hold of My Heart. But you record that in as David and Jonathan. Did that? It was hard to kind of find how that um, got released. Was that on some sort of German best of your version? I don't think it got. Uh, I don't think it was a single, was it? Your no, no. It was just on the album, uh, the first album we cut with George, and <clears throat> we did a couple of covers on there. And we did that one. Um, Gene had already had the. He was having the hit at the time when we were recording it, but. Uh, that was very strange how that happened. He actually, they tried to record it themselves in New York City, and they couldn't get the feel of the, my demo track, which was a great little demo. And so they said, can we use your demo track and just put some strings and things on it? I said, well, yeah, go ahead. So Gene had to sing it in my key, and I had a very high voice in those days, still fairly high. And poor devil, there was one note he just couldn't get to. He had something else to do a harmony over the top because he couldn't reach his high note. But anyway, that's, that's, uh, that was a pretty neat thing. Uh, they, they should use my demo track and just build on it, you know. You wrote a few tracks uh, for Gene over the years, I think. Yeah, he did cut some more of my songs. I had a couple of, uh, well, halfway hits, you know, top 30 hits with him. But uh, that was the big one. Something's got to hold my heart. He was a lovely man, Gene. I... I miss having them around. You must have been surprised when um, about 20 years twenty years later, Mark Alban teamed up with Gene and it, it went, was it, no, it was number one, I think, here in the UK. I think it was number one for about five weeks or something. Yeah, it was uh, immense. There's a, there's a nice little copyright for you. <laughs> Something's got 
I've thrown uh, the the occasional kind of rarity as, as such in, into the mix here. Some songs that that listeners may not be as familiar with. Uh, so I, I've picked "Hallelujah" by Deep Purple, and that marked uh, a turning point for the group because I think that was the first recording that they did with Ian Gillan and the band. I don't know how they got hold of that song. I actually cut that song, Hallelujah, with a guy called Tony Kingston, who just had a, um, a little hit with a song called The Red, Red Wine. He had the original version of that. And I, I produced it with him. And I think I made, a, I made a great little record of it, but nothing happened. He, couldn't, he wasn't getting, you know, he wasn't getting any attention as an artist. So they got hold of it somehow, rather. I don't know how they got hold of it. I didn't plug it, that's for sure. But I was very pleased to have a Deep Purple Cup because uh, they were one of the seminal rock bands of that era, you know.
Blue Mink and, and Melting Pot. And Melting Pot is another song that, that doesn't really seem to go away. Um, I heard this somebody on a, on a, one of the regional BBC shows started playing it and then took it off saying it was racist. I think he missed the point of the song, actually. Yeah, it was a, a, a plea for harmony, I guess. Yeah. And he said this is a racist song, took it off about halfway. If he'd have let the song play all the way through, he'd have realized that basically I was making fun of people who made racist remarks. Hmm. But there you go. You sing sort of co-lead with Madeline in Madeline Bell in, in Blue Mink and, and you know, going back out of back out front with a female vocalist, was that kind of it's quite a different approach for you? Well, it was just it. Madeline and I used to do sessions together. I, I used to do quite a lot of sessions. I gave up around about 1967. But we did sessions together, and we'd be, you know, we'd be there singing together. And in actual fact, the boys um, formed a band that was kind of almost like a little jazzy band, Blue Mink. And then they, they'd written a couple of songs, and they wanted um, somebody to sing on them. And they asked Madeline, she said, yes, she would sing on one of them. And they wanted Roger Green away to do it. So, and, and Roger said, no, not, I don't really want to be in a band like that. He said, you can ask Roger Cook. So then they asked me. And, uh, and then we, we went and did the, uh, the um, recorded their songs, you know, put our vocals on. But they ne- there was obviously no hit on their, their particular album. So uh, their manager said, uh, well, why don't you get Roger Cook to write you a, a song? He's a hit songwriter, you know. So I sat down and with Madeline and myself, and Mana, you know, came up with Melting Pot. And, uh, well, the rest is a mystery. I mean, history, yes. Beatles or the sun god. It's true. 
Well, it really doesn't matter what religion you choose. No, no, no. Mrs. Graceful You know the living could be tasteful ah, We should all get together in a loving machine I better call up the queen It's only fair that she knows, you know, you know What you need is a great big melting pot course and it was you know this period kind of 1969 and into the 70s it just seemed like you must have been having a single out every single month for going into the charts we we had a ridiculous amount yeah i remember waking up one christmas morning we had number one number two number four and number 33 in the charts on christmas morning closest i'll ever get having one two three one two four Anyway, yes, we did. We we had a run of about two and a half years where we were never out of the charts, which was, uh, when I look back now, it's totally amazing. Yeah, and, you know, sort of a variety of uh, bands and, and acts. And um, another track that, that I'd like to play is, is White Plains, My Baby Loves Loving. But that was was the, the, the sort of group, White Plains, that was kind of an offshoot of the Flower Pot Men, wasn't it? Yes, it was, with uh, with um, a different lead singer. Yeah, what was his name? Now he came from South Africa. Nice lad. I think he's back there now. Anyway, yes, yes, that's basically the song. There again, Roger kind of more or less started and got going, and then he called me in about halfway through and said, you know, it needed some things, a bridge and everything, and that's when I got involved with it with him. But that was a nice big hit over here. I sing I sing it sometimes in the clubs here when I'm doing performances and every all the older people, everybody over sixty knows the song very well. Mm. Was it was Tony Burroughs in the group in, in that sort of Tony Burroughs was in that group, yes. Um he was singing. Roger of course was singing on it in, in the background. Tony. Tony, one of the Kestrels. Yeah, because there's a, a sort of that Kestrels connection kind of runs through. Yes. 
Yeah, it's a shame. I joined the Kestrels, and six months later, they'd broken up. But not before Roger and I got together written that first song, you know. Sort of 1971 now and back to blooming the banner man yes uh, when i was a kid the salvation army would march around the streets around my little place in bristol my village if you like in bristol i always remember this one guy called len i think he was mentally um uh debilitated somehow i think he had a problem but <coughs> they let him carry the banner and he was out in front carrying this banner he was kind of hunched over holding this banner up high you know and that was the point of that song. It was really about the Salvation Army on a Sunday morning, marching around the streets and up to the top of the hill and playing and then going back down again. And that's what the song was all about. So we waved our hands as we marched along And the people smiled as we sang our song And the world was saved as they listened Thank you. 
I guess you could cover a whole podcast on this next track. Uh, possibly your best known track out of so many. I've picked the new Seekers version. I'd like to teach the world to sing, and but that that came from um, a Coke jingle, I understand. But you did loads of um, jingles and, and and things like that across your career as well. Yes, we did do a lot of jingles, Roger. And I, it was very lucrative. They paid us on the spot, you know, and. Uh, and really, I like to teach the world to sing. It was just a sixty-second jingle that was written, and we got paid. And I thought, well, that's that, you know, another jingle. But it just so happened when they started playing the jingle over here in America, hundreds of thousands of letters came into Coca-Cola asking where they could buy the song. And at that point, one of the producers of the jingle, Billy Davis, decided, "Hey, we should put a record out." So they quickly wrote some extra lyrics to it and put the record out, and there we go. Million seller. Yeah, just um, that was number one for six weeks all over Christmas, seventy one or seventy two. I think it was seventy one. 
So uh, that was very nice. An unexpected gift. I'd like to build the world a home and furnish it with love. Grow apple trees and honeybees and snow white turtle doves. I'd like to teach the world to sing, sing with in perfect harmony. to pick um one of your own releases uh, in this in this period it was still actually successful but i think in a different country your track today i killed a man i didn't know and i think that was uh, a hit in sweden yeah i had a for whatever reason i had a number one in sweden i had to go and tour there as roger cook yeah that was fun i i liked the song i, I heard some really nice versions of the song over the years but mine was the one that actually did chart somewhere, so that was nice. Today I Killed It was also released by PJ Proby. I don't know. Was it really? See, you know something I don't know. Well, in actual fact, uh, PJ was cut, I believe, by my friend John Burgess, who produced me. So that's probably how PJ got to hear that song. Probably John Burgess said, hey, I got a song you could cut. But I never knew he cut it, so you just give me some information I never had. John Paul Jones was involved in that um, PGA Proby's version as well. Ah, well, John Paul Jones, bless his heart, used to arrange and um, play on my demos for a couple of years when we were at Dick Jane Music. He came to me one day and said, Roger, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to um, back out of doing these demos now. He said, I'm going into rehearsal for six months with a band. And, of course, that was Led Zeppelin, you know. But uh, I called the guy. I, I was really disappointed because John was great in the studio. Terrific. 
And um, I called um, musicians for me. His name was Charlie Katz. And he said, well, a lot of people seem to like this Herbie Flowers. He said, maybe you should try him. And that's how I met Herbie. Herbie came and did a couple of demos for me, and uh, we became friends. And then, of course, I joined the band, you know. Today I killed a man I didn't know I held my rifle high and shot him low Though I'd like to think he really was to blame Well I never knew or never will his name I guess it's someone somewhere knew him well and they'll cry when they are told that he has fell But it's hard for me to think of him as good Cause he'd have done me just the same If only he could Oh mama, oh mama, I'm so cold And I feel like I am quickly Growing old So I hope that you are thinking of your son Cause tomorrow morning I'll be 21 Oh, Johnny Reb, Johnny Reb He don't worry now He don't wonder how Today my sergeant told me I'd done well Cause I'd sent another southern boy to hell But I can't help wondering about this loss of life And if that rebel soldier had a wife Oh So cold, and the good book doesn't help me like you told. Cause it don't tell me if I'm right or wrong, or when this war will end and just how long. Oh, mama, oh, mama, I'm so cold, and I feel like I am quickly growing. Through this period, you were releasing tracks under your own name, and 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 some some of which were your own, some of which were covers. I mean, you did some great covers. You did an early um, Elton John track called "Skyline Pigeon" that's that's superb, actually. Yeah, he um, I remember Reg as I knew him as then. He he played me that song, and I thought it was such a good song. I actually took the song around and tried tried to get it recorded by other people. 
because of that, it was arranged that um, Roger and I could have half of the publishing of the song just because I've worked it. I never heard a verse and it was really taken off for me, you know, and so I decided, well, I think I know how it should go. And I cut it with just a couple of pianos. I liked it. I enjoyed the song. I thought it was a great song. And it was just, it was before they'd had any hits of any kind, Elton and Bernie. So I think they were, they were thrilled at the time to get a cut. distant lands over green fields trees and mountains flowers and forest fountains home along the lanes of the skyways for this dark and lonely room rejects a shine And my eyes are mirrors of the world outside Thinking of the way that the wind can turn the tide And these shadows change from purple into grey For just a skyline pigeon dreaming of the open Waiting for the day that he can spread his wings and fly away again Towards the dreams you left so very far behind Fly away, skyline pigeon, fly Towards the dreams you left so very far behind Just let me wake up in the morning To the smell of new moon hay To laugh and cry, to live and die In the brightness of my day I want to hear the pealing sound The distant church bells ring But most of all, please free me from This aching metal ring Just a skyline pigeon dreaming of the open Waiting for the day that he can spread his wings And fly away again Fly away, skyline pigeon, fly Towards the dreams you've left so very far behind Towards the dreams you left so very, so very far behind. 
in terms of your songs in that period, were they just kind of going around the publishers and, and just bands were picking them up, or did you write for particular bands? How did that work? We never really wrote for a band. The only time I got involved in writing for a band was when I was with Blue Mink and Herbie Flowers and I would write songs, and of course Roger and I had Melting Pot. But um, we never really ever wrote for people particularly. There was one other song we did write with um, somebody in mind, that was Cyril Black. She did a song called Something Tells Me, which uh, Roger started off and I helped finish. And um, that was written for her TV show. So that was one case where we did write a song for her. But nine, nine times out of ten, we didn't write songs for artists. That's just uh, we just wrote them for ourselves, more or less. And then they get taken around, you know, and played to people. One of my all-time favourite guests on the podcast, Roger, is uh, Alan Clark. And I know that you wrote with Roger Greenaway uh, a number of tracks for the Hollies with Alan back in the early 70s, uh, like Hey Willie, Gasoline Alley Bread, and of course, Long Call Woman in a Black Dress. Yes. Yeah, I remember when Alan and I sat down the road that we we had rather too much liquid that day for lunch. And we brought the bottle back to the office. And that song was pounded out on the piano. It took about two hours to write. And at the time, it seemed like it was a good song. 
but I had no idea that they were going to cut such a great record on it, which they did. And uh, here, that song is still a, a kind of cult hit. It, um, it gets played to death on the radio 40 years later, 45 years later. So, so that was that was nice. Alan's a great lad. We we always had good fun together when we wrote. those uh, Holly's materials I also like Gasoline Alley Bread it's, it seems to be a bit more reflective yeah that was co-written with um, Tony McCauley another song co-written with Tony he had the, the title of the song Tony we sat down and wrote it you know, but the Hollies did a lovely version of it Blue Mink did a version too we, we covered it mm-hmm. 
shine upon my shoes Tell up on my ma, keep the room above Joe's Cause we're coming back, coming back to the homestead Everything is packed, getting back to the homestead This time This time we'll stay song is uh, your track uh, Beautiful Memories oh yeah of the All Right album yes digging into this uh, it was also recorded by Bing Crosby of all people yeah I, I ended up having two cuts with Bing Crosby my, my father said well you can't get any bigger than that son because for my father's generation Bing was Elvis you know mm. yeah that was a thrill getting Bing Crosby singing and whistling on it and he ended up cutting another song called Where the Rainbow Ends. And uh, I've actually seen him performing that live. Yeah, my father was thrilled when I got a Bing Crosby cut. 
He thought, well, my son really has arrived. <laughs> Took a look back down in the street Hoping to meet somebody I have known When I was one of the boys Chasing the girls out in the park Late after that, stealing the keys And running home These are the days I know I will
Going into the late 70s, I, I'm playing uh, Marmalade's version of Talking in Your Sleep, which was uh, made very, very famous, of course, by Crystal Gale. That got um, Song of the Year. It did very well for me. Yeah, we got it's the BMI Song of the Year uh, over here. That was the collection agency, BMI. And uh, it actually, I'd been here living in Nashville two years, and I still hadn't had a country hit. And I thought, well, this ain't going to be as easy as I thought it was. I was so used to having the hits every year, you know, in England. But the country thing, it's, it's what you leave out sometimes that makes it important. And I just had to leave all my little Englishy bits out and write a straightforward song that a country artist could cut. And I did. I wrote it with a man called Bobby Wood, who's a great musician. And, uh, yeah, Crystal didn't really like the song over much. She didn't think it was right for her. But her producer, my friend Alan Reynolds, uh, he thought it was perfect for her, and he, he kept pushing it on her, and in the end, they cut it. And, of course, she she, she was following a huge hit with Don't It Mean by Brown Eyes Blue. So we were guaranteed we were going to get a lot of radio play. And it did become the song of the year, so it was awesome. Lovely ways of coming to Nashville. Because before you went over, some of your songs had started to be recorded by country artists anyway. Yes, we'd had a few. Uh, Misty Blanchard, and suddenly got, you got your troubles, and a chart hit with that with his country duo. I can't remember their names. But, uh, yeah, we'd had, a, we'd had a couple of covers of our songs. I didn't break out this right until um, Crystal cut that song. Not in this town. In this town, it doesn't matter what you've written or what you've done, really. If you haven't had a country hit, you don't mean that much to the town, you know? So my country hits I was very happy about. Three o'clock in the morning And it looks like it's gonna be Another sleepless night I've been listening to you Get very low Wondering what I can do Maybe I'm being foolish Cause I haven't heard you mention Anybody's name at all Oh how I wish I could be sure It's me that turns you on Each time said that dreamers never lie You've been talking in Get it. 
You wrote another country uh, standard slightly later, and that's Don Williams' I Believe in You. Yes, that was wonderful. He'd already cut a couple of my songs, and I was thrilled to bits because Don Williams was part of the reason I thought I'd give Nashville a try because I loved his voice, and I loved what Dolly Parton was doing and Waylon Jennings. And so I thought I would hang around Nashville and give it a try, see if it would work. And uh, I remember playing that song. Um, his producer came, Garth Fundis, who was a friend. He came around to my office, and I said, I've got a song I think Don could sing. And about halfway through, Garth said, look, and he held up his arm. All his hairs were standing up on end on his arm. He said, Don would kill that. He said, that, that'd be a big hit for Don. I said, go for it. And, of course, he did a lovely version. I read um, a quote from him where he talks about that he just couldn't believe that someone who, you know, who wasn't from the U.S. could write what, how he felt. Yeah, he told me that. He said, he said I just about agree with every, every line of that song. He said, I felt like it was for me, you know. So, yeah, I'd, again, I did that uh, unknowingly, really. I wasn't trying to write for him. I just, I, I, I did the demo, and it was a good demo. And I kind of sang it in a Don Williams fashion because I liked Don Williams so much. So I guess that helped. of gold, the certainty of growing old, that right is right and left is wrong, that north and south can't get along, that east is east and west is west, and being first is always best, but I believe in love, I believe in babies, I believe in mom and To think of God is love He's down below He's up above He's watching people everywhere He knows who does and doesn't care And I'm an ordinary man Sometimes I wonder who I am But I believe in love I believe in I believe in magic And I believe in you I know with all my certainty What's going on with you and me Is a good thing It's true I don't believe 
virginity is as common as it used to be in working days and sleeping nights that black is black and white is white that superman and robin hood are still alive in hollywood that gasoline's in short supply the rising cost of getting by but i believe in love i believe in old folks i believe in children i believe I believe in love I believe in babies I believe in mom and dad And I believe in you It's you know a country standard now. I'd like to pick a John Prine's version, a version of "I Just Want to Dance with You," but that eventually became another single of the year. Yes, yeah, it became the ASCAP song of the year. Yes, I'd moved over to ASCAP by then, or rather, I'd left ASCAP and gone with BMI. But it was still, it was song of the year. Yeah, and um, we waited uh, fourteen years to get a local cut on that song. That sometimes happens as a songwriter, you know, you just don't get a hit straight away. You have to wait till somebody goes, that's my song, that's what I want. And George Strait was played, you know, like 14 years after we'd written it. And uh, George Strait loved it and took it to number one for, let me see, five weeks. Actually, no, that was three weeks. I had another number one with George Strait, which went to number one for five weeks, that's right. Too many number ones. (laughs) Well... You can never get too many number ones in that, can you? I'm I'm ready for the next one. I don't want to be the kind to hesitate Be too shy Wait too late I don't care what they say other lovers do I just want to dance That you have a heart like mine So let it show Let it shine Oh, if we have a chance To make one heart of two Then I just want to dance with you I want to dance with you Twirl you all around the floor That's what they invented dancing for I just want to dance with you I wanna dance with you Hold you in my arms once more That's what they invented dancing for I just wanna dance with you I caught you looking at me when I looked at you Yes I did I ain't that true You are 
get embarrassed by the things I do I just wanna dance with you Oh, the boys are playing softly and the girls are too So am I and so are you If this was a movie we'd be right on cue I just wanna dance with you I wanna dance with you Girl, you all around the floor That's what they've been dancing for And I just wanna dance with you I wanna dance with you Hold you in my arms once more That's what they invented dancing for I just wanna dance with you Broadly up to date, you're still, um, understand, you're still hugely prolific, and uh, I wanted to pick a, a relatively recent track to close, and I, I've picked your your song with Gail and Crew, Sleepyhead. But that's um, a song and an artist who's absolutely huge in China. Yes, he's had to go over there and tour a couple of times. In fact, I think they're going to put him in the movie there. The only trouble with it, having a hit in China is the, the radio there is state-owned and they do not pay royalties. So the only way you can make money in China is actually go out as an artist. So I won't make I won't make a couple of bob from it, really. But it's still nice to have a hit in a, in a foreign country like China. I mean, it's just uh, pretty amazing. Yeah, Galen's had to learn Chinese so he can talk to the audience. And he's very good at it. That was a very different song, actually. Yeah. Do you write the lyrics? Yes. Is that something that you've predominantly done throughout your career with with Roger? Is it are you more the lyricist, or, or is it kind of can it just cut either way? No, actually, I, I write melody as well, but lyrics come easy, more easily to me than they do to most people. I am a a prolific lyricist, and that that's the truth of it. So I end up carrying a lot of the weight of the lyric most of the time because. I work fast. My brain works faster as a lyricist. It's been an amazing ride. I can't believe it's 52 years since we had our first hit, Roger and I. I mean, that's... Jesus wept. Am I getting that old? Yeah, and I like you said, I'm prolific. I still write at least two or three songs a week. I don't think I've ever gone a year without writing at least 100 songs. I'm heading up around 6,000 songs. That's a lot of notes and words, isn't it? Mm. 
Do you have plans to to record on you know under your own name again, or are you kind of sort of collaborating? I've got an idea. I can still sing. I'm still carry tune, and I've got an idea. I've got this idea to make an album called The Naked Uke. Just have just me and my voice in the ukulele out front with maybe one other instrument on, on another track, and uh, I've wanted to do that. I imagine the artwork, you know, with a, a fig leaf covering the hole on the front of the ukulele. <laughs> the naked uke. So anyway, I've got a mind to do that, and I've got a bunch of songs that uh, I could go in and record like that. I, I wrote a lot with John Prine, you know, and uh, I've got some really good songs I'd like the world to hear. So I'm going to go in at some point, probably early next year, and, and cut that album. That's great. Um, thank you so much, Roger. It's a, it's a real privilege talking to you, a man who is so prolific and the quality is, is so high for all those tracks and the range of artists is, uh, is unparalleled. Well, thank you, Jason. Thank you, mate. You, you started my day off well. Now I can go and play golf and beat somebody, I hope. <laughs> all right, Jason. Bye for now. Where her true affections lie. 
So the king knocked on her door Only you can end this war No one knows how the story ends Did she ever